I'm Harry Bridge. I'm Scott Mitchell. And this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. We are coming to you from the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. Dharmaram podcast for September 6, 2019, and we have a special guest, Natalie Cooley, and we're talking about authenticity. We have a very special guest. That sounded really cheesy. Mm. Um, but uh, we're actually really excited. We asked uh, Dr. Natalie Cooley to, to join us on the, the podcast. Um, I'm supposed to introduce Natalie, which is going to be a challenge off the top of my head. So I'll say some random things and maybe they'll make sense. Uh, Natalie and I have worked together for a long time. Um, she and I both have, uh, we've uh, co-edited two volumes, one being uh, Buddhism Beyond Borders. I almost forgot the, own, the name of my own. I just now book. forgot it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, a collection of essays that came out of a conference we did actually here at IBS. Um, good God, was that 15 years ago? Wow, yeah, I think it was a long time ago. Um, yeah, we were younger then and had more energy. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, yeah. uh, so we edited that volume, and just uh, this this past year, we uh, edited another book mm-hmm. in honor of um, our teacher, Richard Payne, the former dean here at the IBS, uh, called Methods in Buddha Studies. Um, Natalie is a scholar of Theravada Buddhism. Am I getting that right? To, I'm guess roughly yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Mahayana elements sneak in there too, but which yeah. is what we'll talk about today. Yeah. How these hard and fast yeah. divisions between yep. uh, traditions are dumb. Uh, how's that? <laughs> They're not. Uh, I was say not as clear cut. Yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, sure everyone's going to be smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the usual, though. <laughs> so, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here. Should we just dive into the fake Buddha quote? Then? I think so. All right. So the, one, one of the reasons why we invited Natalie is because uh, last time Harry and I met, we were going to talk about this email that somebody sent us about a fake Buddha quote. Um, uh, the Buddha quote, it's the, so there's this website called fake Buddha quotes. Um, We've talked about that before. I dot think. com. Yeah. A while back. But yeah, we had a whole couple episodes on what the yeah. Buddha really taught and or what the Buddha really said. Or what the mm-hmm. Buddha might have really taught. Or... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode will be sort of following up on that, but probably much better because um, I think Natalie actually knows the Buddha. Um, it's the, we go way <laughs> back. Yeah. Um, anyway, the email that we got um, linked to this quote that says, uh, no one saves us but ourselves, no one can and no one may, we ourselves must walk the path. I read that in an appropriately, you know, yeah. striving kind of voice. Yeah. Um, the author of Fake Buddha Quote says, of course, this is a fake Buddha quote, but then um, has this weird little um, postscript at the very end where he says, and I quote, I'm aware that Pure Land Buddhism teaches that enlightenment is only possible through the grace of Amida Buddha, but I think it's good to acknowledge that this approach contradicts what the Buddha seems to have taught, which is that the Buddhas only point the way and we must save ourselves. Hmm. Which sort of implies, or maybe explicitly says, that everything that Harry and I do is wrong. (laughs) 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 Or that Pure Land Buddhism, and probably by extension most of Mahayana, is in some ways... Inauthentic. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. That feels good. Yeah. Uh, 
we were blathering about this before we started recording. I was going on quite a tirade, actually. But this discourse of um, individual striving, I think it picks up on some legitimate um, Buddhist discourses, of which there are multiple and many from a variety of competing um, viewpoints. But certain uh, strands of uh, Western and American individualism, um, particularly uh, driven by Protestant notions of uh, you know direct um, communication with God without an, without any intercession, those two get woven together without recognizing that there are actually um, other voices in the polycanon and in the lived tradition too, which I'm not discounting as as non-Buddhist myself, um, that those that that's like a self-validating thing where you go out seeking, uh, what's going to support your position? I, there's a particular kind of bias, like there's some sort of name for that that I can't remember. But um, you know, it excludes all these other voices, and there's a a point to that, which is validating what you yourself are doing, um, but also uh, putting yourself above others, right? Mm-hmm. And that's and that's really the. I think that's really the point of authenticity discourse is it's always a power discourse. There's not an authenticity discourse that's not about saying this is the right way and anything else is not the right way. So I think that strand... Say, say, say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you, if you don't follow mm-hmm. what our authority structure says is authentic, then you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to listen to me, and I am an authority. And why am I an authority? Because I know the scriptures better than you do, which is itself problematic um, because there are scriptures that talk about social karma. There are scriptures that talk about merit practice. Um, Certainly, you have to rely on a Buddha to teach the Dharma. Um, So (laughs) that kind of undermines that claim as well. That's one of my favorite sort of self-contradictory yeah. kind of things, right? Like, yeah. there's no there's no faith in Buddhism, or you know that that sort of yes. argument. But yeah, yeah. you have to have faith that there was a Buddha, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to yeah. begin with. Right. So there's a certain uh, any contradictory yeah. Yeah. sort of move going on there. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you could say a little bit more about the idea of um, you mentioned different scriptures, and so mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we probably talked about the last time about the, what the Buddha really said, if we can know, mm-hmm. has to do with the idea of canonicity and like mm-hmm. the, the easy way mm-hmm. in which we conflate Theravada Buddhism, the Pali Canon, yes. and the word of the historical Buddha. Like yes. we, those are three like mm-hmm. separate things, but they yeah. become all sort of melded together yeah. um, in an uncritical way. Yeah, I and I think I, again, it's this. Um, struggle for authority that's going to have people pick from these different sources. Um, Obviously, Theravada and the Pali Canon are not the same thing. Um, We know in the 5th century, it was really Buddhaghosa who put together all of those scriptures and potentially added some new ones from uh, the Mahavihara in Sri Lanka that was was in this power struggle with uh, Abhayagiri and, and other fraternities to be at court, right? So just what ended up in the Pali Canon, we know was the product of power struggles, right? 
And some of what's in the polycanon is actually, we know it's post-canonical because they mentioned people who were in Sri Lanka several <laughs> centuries later. Um, so I think we can't be uncritical with the polycanon. Um, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not a be-all, end-all of supporting particular doctrinal positions. Um, and there certainly could have been a lot of doctrinal positions that were erased. Abhayagiri, for example, had Mahayana influences. And so what does that mean, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, the, the whole thing becomes problematic in terms of uh, different voices of authority and which one we're going to pick to support our own um, sense of authenticity. In a nutshell, I hope I summed everything up for you now. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> but the other thing I was mentioning to Scott and Harry is that um, these lines between Theravada and Mahayana and Tantra um, mm. are not clear cut. Um, it's really glaringly obvious in, in the United States um, and Gleig has written about this, uh, talking about hybridity of traditions. Um, I think it's not just the white convert communities that she's talking about that are actually doing this. Um, there are obviously multicultural um, communities that are white minority communities that draw people from Buddhist backgrounds, heritage backgrounds, that are not strictly you know, Theravada or Mahayana. It brings everybody together. Um, and these are are not just restricted to the United States. If you go to Southeast Asia, you've got like, for example, Chinese um, Chinese Thai folks practicing with uh, other Thai folks and bringing together Mahayana that way. So, um, and it's influenced the way that Thai Buddhism has developed there as well, like adopting various bodhisattvas, right? <laughs> so. This notion that we have to go to the polycanon to understand uh, real Buddhism to me is extremely problematic, and it completely dismisses oral traditions and lived practice, which uh, is a fuller picture of Buddhism. It's one that looks at Buddhism more as a human project, too, rather than, um, you know, as a transcendent project, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And takes it away from just that kind of text-based yeah. Buddhism or way that we often understand Buddhism by looking at the text. And mm -hmm. it seems, I think when you're, when you're teaching, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's passe. But I think yeah. like for the, yes. the average person, it's like, but wait, isn't that Buddhism? Well, and, that's, and that brings up an important question, which is, I mean, should we just throw it out, right? And I don't, I don't think that's reasonable either. Um, you know, I think grappling with um, all the different voices at the same time is part of the project of faith, right? That's where faith starts to come in as saying, oh, well, I see these voices that, first of all, don't agree with mine. Do I just discount them? Or do I investigate um, more carefully? I mean, even in the polycanon, we've got different voices. So, um, yeah, it's a real issue. Yeah, it was... Um thinking about what we were going to talk about today and just kind of thinking about how I'm a minister at a BCA temple, mm -hmm. right? And so all kinds of people coming in, come in yeah. with no idea 
what Jodo Shinshu is, mm-hmm. what BCA is, mm-hmm. what Buddhism is in a way. They're just yeah. like, wow, I'm interested in Buddhism. Yeah. Right? And so, um, and Jodo Shinshu is so, to me, in many ways, just specifically different than mm-hmm. I think what most people think Buddhism is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so it's so interesting because people will come in and sometimes like, they don't like, I, I get the feeling they don't like what I'm talking about mm-hmm. or how I'm talking about it. And so one response is, well, I'll change it and I'll try and say something that they will like to try and hang on to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And another way is I can't do that for everybody. Yeah. I can't be every kind of Buddhism for every single person that comes. Right. So I find myself kind of in between there, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and in one way, I think that's one of the difficulties of Buddhism, mm-hmm. that there is such a diversity, yeah. um, but it's also kind of the power of Buddhism in a way too, mm-hmm. this incredible flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so, so I have to kind of ride this balance between sticking to the tradition yep. and being flexible, yep. right? Yeah. And I'm doing it all the time. <laughs> yeah. you know, um, Again, it's like there, there are porous boundaries, right? Like mm-hmm. there are boundaries, mm-hmm. but they're not impermeable. And we pass across them. So, so the question is, how much, like, how much do you want to move those boundaries, and why? Like, and who is the one who, who, who are the people yeah, who yeah. are saying, no, you need to shift the boundary in this direction, and and then you have to evaluate why are they asking that, right? I'm just curious, what kinds of uh, Boundary pushings do you see people you said they have different expectations mm-hmm. what kind of expectations do you find they're having and well certainly like if they're coming from a more mindfulness based mm-hmm. kind of approach and then they come to my temple and I'm, I'm saying I don't know I, th- I think that there are times when I can address that yeah. but the way you respond is different like I think yeah. There's a kind of Buddhism where it's like, you can be aware of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You can change those things, right? Mm-hmm. You By being mindful of this, you can change it, and you yeah. can this and that. Yeah. Whereas Jodo Shinshu is more like, you nope. can be aware of this stuff <laughs> and realize, I can't do anything about it. Yeah. If anything, when I try, I mess it up even worse. I, that's and yet, that. that's okay. That's part of our path. Yeah. But it's very different than the path, the empowering path. It's kind of disempowering in one sense. Yeah. But empowering because you don't have to rely on yourself. You can rely on something bigger. It goes back to this American ethos mm-hmm. of... Um, the hyper-individual. That's right. I'm yeah. on this path. I'm in a... I control this. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. It's kind of a naivety. It, it makes me think of a common phrase, in, uh, at least in the Buddhisms that... I frequent of causes and conditions and the conditions we don't have any control over right <laughs> and that's the part that gets uh, that gets cut out because in my opinion because it's painful and because we can't control it and um, and I think a lot of striving in um, in American Buddhist convert circles particularly in the mindfulness communities is a kind of naive notion that we can break all habit energies in this life, mm. um, which is kind of doing away with the whole merit notion, which yeah, yeah. ties into, again, conditions, right? So you're creating conditions for future lives, but that gets lost. Or rejected specifically because yeah. 
multiple lives. Right. That's right, a, right. That's a, that's a fantasy. Right. Right. There's a very hyper rational kind yeah. of thing in America too. Right. Yeah. Where not everyone, obviously, but um, I think there's one portion yeah. of America that is like, yeah, that um, basically basically atheist and right. scientific materialist rational. Right. right. Um, and so talking about multiple lifetimes, it's like you lost me. Well, Sorry these are people who were alienated by their um, previous backgrounds, or probably by the majority religiosity. So they're looking for something alternative. And if mm-hmm. anything looks like mm-hmm. that previous mm-hmm. religiosity, they're like, no, no, I don't want that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's that, that selective yeah. aspect, too, you're talking about yeah. before, right? Like you're selecting particular texts or particular yeah. parts of the canon. You're like, oh, that that jives with my hyper individuality yeah. and my desire to make myself a better person and life yeah. hack and all that other kind of stuff. Life hack, yes. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, but this, you know, weird mythological stuff of, you know, one of my favorite parts of the Pali Canon is where the Buddha talks to tree spirits. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you do with that? <laughs> you know, like there's, you know, there's, there's quote unquote magical or mythological or yeah. fanciful, fanciful. That's a word. Fanciful. <laughs> <laughs> stuff in the Pali Canon that you yeah. just sort of selectively ignore. Right. To, yeah. to prop up this narrative that you have that you can control, like right. you're saying, you're whatever it is. One of the strategies um, that I see when people are trying to do that is, like, I had a student once tell me there's merit is not is not actually Buddhist, hmm. and I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and first. The first level of that was, well, it's not in the canon because this person was really familiar with the parts of the canon that are being presented in her groups, right? Mm-hmm. And merit pieces were not being presented. Mm-hmm. So I knew this person was really into the poly canon, so I pulled up the poly – you could – anywhere in the poly canon, I'm like, merit, 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 merit. <laughs> so now what do you do? And the response, and not just from this person, but I find it um, – frequently is, oh, but that's not, that was added later. Mm-hmm. The Buddha didn't say that, right? Right, right, right. Um, that's very, that is very convenient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't help that we don't really have any good um, specificity in terms of what the Buddha really said in the Pali Canon. We don't have a great um, sense of when texts were written. We can kind of like piece them together, but we only have a few of all of the canons that we know existed because other commentators mention all of these canons that no longer exist. So then that makes me question even further. Like, um, If this commentator is saying, hey, there's this other canon, but don't believe it, then there's another canon right. that perhaps predates the, these polytexts. And yeah. why did we decide that this poly one that survives is the one right. that's... The authentic one. The the authentic, one that's, that's right. You know. But that's Buddhism's right. not about power. Oh, I know. <laughs> authority. I know. What are you talking about? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you just you just got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. be happy and, okay. and yeah. you know be not happy. never be hyper, angry and hyper individual. <laughs> never be angry. Yeah. <laughs> I remember there was a book on Buddhism and war, or Buddhism, mm. and, no, maybe Buddhism and violence, and yeah, it had the yeah. picture of the young monk with a, with a machine, machine gun, gun yeah. on the cover. Yeah. And looking at the comments, which you should never do. <laughs> but <laughs> always I did. a mistake, and always one was a mistake. Like, this book is wrong. Buddhism is about peace. Mm-hmm. And it, that's, a, I think, a common attitude of just like clinging to 
your perception of what Buddhism is, even with the yeah. the evidence. I, I wish it was true. Right. That's I hear the, what you're saying. It, right? I wish it was true. But we have. If you don't look at the reality, right. then you're going to look past when Buddhism is committing violence against others. Right. And then people could say things like, "Oh, what's going on in Myanmar? They aren't real Buddhists." Mm-hmm. And I thought that opens a whole can of worms. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all. Um, you know, it keeps people from being accountable for what they're mm, doing, yeah, yeah. right? It mm. keeps us from being accountable for, for what other people in our communities are doing. Um, we, if we just say they're not really Buddhist, then we don't have to deal with the assertions that they're making about whatever they're, they're doing that's harmful. So I think it's really important. Um, and this is where authenticity discourse matters, is to say, no, they really are Buddhist. Those mm. people really are Buddhist. Mm. And now what, mm. right? And where are they drawing their inspiration from? And how am I part of that project? And how can I ship that project? If I want Buddhism to not be about violence, then that would mean I have to take steps for that to happen. Um, whereas if you discount it, then you don't have to deal with it. You know. But it's so much easier. It is. <laughs> it is easier, you know, especially for the way people feel about themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Which I think is what you were saying, Harry, about, you know, Buddhism is hard, basically, right? Like, if people come in and, you know, they want to believe that they can control themselves or control their destiny yeah. or whatever the case may be and not look at the... I mean, Jodo Shinshu was hard. Like, Jodo Shinshu, I think, <laughs> basically says yeah. there's nothing you can do. Deal with it. Yeah. You know, Which that's a hard. That's a hard thing, yeah. It's, yeah. Mu- I think, much more comforting to say Buddhism is about peace and love and... Not challenging your preconceptions. That's right. Mm. Just change the habit mm. energies mm. in your mind, and yeah. you're good to go. <laughs> right. Which, Which is not false. <laughs> it was not a false statement, but but. Um, it's not like you can just flip a switch. <laughs> right, and and so many of the other ideas that have um, that 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 notion was contextualized and have been washed away. So. Well, then what? I mean, that's Buddhist too, like, right? <laughs> so I'm not discounting people that do things that I don't like as not Buddhist either. Mm-hmm. And I think for my scholarship, that's really where I'm coming from when I'm doing stuff on, um, on whiteness in particular. Um, I think a common strategy in scholarship has been to discount them as not really Buddhist. Mm. Um, and a, a lot of that has come from calling them new religious movements or mm-hmm. emphasizing their shallowness and all of these different um, ways of dealing with them. But when we do that, then it's that same attitude, not really Buddhist, not my problem, right? Um, instead of saying, no, they're really Buddhist, and these discourses are harmful. Mm-hmm. So that's the direction I've been going in because I was encountering so much of this um, in local white majority groups that were um, and continue to have discourses around how other people aren't really Buddhist, right, Mm -hmm. that are slung at non-white majority groups. Mm -hmm. And I find that incredibly harmful. And so I'm addressing it without saying they're not Buddhist. That's the hard part, right, Mm -hmm. is saying this too, these people are Buddhist too, here's how they're harming. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. here's what they do that harm, and and what responsibility do scholars? Have? I mean, that's another question. What responsibilities do scholars have in that project? Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people will say, "No, you got to leave that out." Our job is to be objective. Our job is to 
just present the facts, you mm-hmm. know, and not to have an opinion either way. Uh, I don't think that's possible, mm-hmm. frankly. I don't know. What do you think, Scott? I don't think it's possible either. Yeah. But no one listens to me, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if that were true. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of interesting to think about this way of saying, you know, they're not Buddhists and whatnot. That's basically yeah. sort of what websites like Fake Buddha Quotes are doing, right? They're they're constructing a sort of that's idealized right. version. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like, only academics. It's yeah. Buddhists do yeah, that too yeah, all yeah. the time. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, basically yeah. saying, this is what the Buddha said. If yeah. whatever you're saying, you know, some random quote on the internet. And I agree, like, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the quotes that the people send this guy or that he finds or whatever are like, wow, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the Buddha never actually said that or, yeah. you know, whatever. But at the same time, it's also this project of defining what Buddhism yeah. is and then saying, this this stuff does not this represent not, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and it's easy to do that. It's easy mm-hmm. just to be like, nope, you're not Buddhist. I, I mean, that's part of the project of religious traditions. That's what yeah. they do. Uh, you, in actually in any group formation, which is what humans do, we form groups. There's insider outsider, mm-hmm. and um, so those boundaries are constantly being patrolled. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe that's not a bad thing. Well, I, I sort of feel like it's like a it can be a strategic thing, mm-hmm. and it should never be a well, maybe not never, but it shouldn't. We shouldn't get attached to any borders consistently and, and indefinitely, right? <laughs> that the, the the that process of yeah. policing the borders or border patrols or whatever yeah. analogy you want to use, those are constantly shifting, right? That's right. In these discourses, and sometimes they need to be strong, and sometimes they are much more porous. And, and there may be, you know. Instances where the fake Buddha quotes end up, first of all, they influence the tradition as it develops. Um, But secondly, it may be that some of those fake Buddha quotes have value to particular projects, right? And so those can be brought in, too. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I think that the, the, the problems that I see are, one, that we... We construct these insider-outsider dichotomies, yeah. um, and we forget that that's uh, a discourse. That's yes. something we just sort of made up, yes. right? It's, yes. not, it's yes. not based on— It's not natural. It's yeah. not a natural thing. Right. It's a human construct. Um, yeah. And that we exist in sort of multiple overlapping— yes communities, right? Mm-hmm. I'm an insider of a Buddhist community, but I'm also an insider of some other community. Yeah. I'm the insider of my family community or yep. my work community or whatever. And sometimes those overlap and sometimes are really different, mm-hmm. which means that we are crossing borders all, all the, the time, time, even if you know we're not aware of it. Yeah. Um, and that's that porousness. And, and the boundaries aren't even agreed on yeah. completely yeah, in yeah. any given group, right? They're made by individuals right. who have multiple belongings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. But uh, another interesting thing about Buddhism is that it, the, the borders it sets up are often very permeable. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't go in and say, we're the only truth, right. you're false, Yeah, we're going to wipe you out. Yep. It's like, no, you have a certain degree of truth too. <laughs> right? I mean, wherever <laughs> it goes, so it seems to... so sneaky good. It's so sneaky good. It's, it's interesting, <laughs> and it's potentially dangerous you and bet. potentially very... Pour it. I mean, flexible yeah. and it's and, kind of um, seeping com- in yeah. through the you know the cracks and not. <laughs> uh, that makes me think of um, how Buddhism. God, there are so many examples, but how Buddhism has subsumed a lot of this the spirit cults mm-hmm. by saying, "Oh yeah, 
yeah, yeah. That, that's those are the devas yeah. clearly <laughs> so good stuff all those local gods in Japan they're buddy's office <laughs> done <laughs> there you go done and done <laughs> But it works. (laughs) But it works, you know? It allows groups to to coexist without uh, strife. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it also also puts Buddhism Buddhism up at the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's still those um, issues of authenticity, but rather than it being true and false, I like that it can be like more true, provisional, and false. And still acknowledge that there is falsehood, Mm -hmm. but. These things that another religion might claim are completely wrong, mm-hmm. it can be like, no, there's provisional truth there, That's but not right. the complete truth. Right? Right. So <laughs> it, it puts these gradients in that maybe mm-hmm. some other um, religions don't very often. Yeah, and, and it reminds it me of way, huh? particular strands, like we're talking about with the fake Buddha quotes, on two sides. The response that, um, that Jero Shinshu isn't real Buddhism um, is part of that same kind of fun- fundamentalist strand that wants to put itself up above, right? So they're trying to subsume all the other things. Maybe there are good things about Jodo Shinshu, but in the end, we it's not provisional truth. It's real. And I think that's a Protestant strand coming in where it's like, the book is the word of God and yeah. you have a direct, right? right? You know, there's it's not... There's no intercession. There's no human concepts that come in between me and that. It's just a direct line, and, and mm-hmm. now I have the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, yeah. it's text-based, and so it's looking text-based. at the comments on there, too, yeah. I saw a different one, and yeah. this person was saying, come on, can't you understand that this is words spoken from an enlightened perspective? And it's like, A, you don't know the person that wrote it is enlightened. That's right. B, it's not coming from the canon. That's what I'm trying to say. And yeah. it's like, uh-huh, but what you're not saying is, and the textual canon is the highest right. truth judge yeah. kind of. That's right. right? So, yeah. Or judge of authenticity. Yeah. For all traditions. Like, yeah. polycanon can mm-hmm. be used to compare to anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Without saying, why aren't we looking at the Dharmaguptaka canon? We have parts mm-hmm. of that. Why aren't we applying yeah. that, you know? <laughs> um, but no, that's, that, that one doesn't count. 